Welcome to Line of Sight. My name is Don Heider. I'm the Executive Director of the Markle Center for Applied Ethics at Santa Clara University. And I'm Bridget Helms, Executive Director at Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship, also at Santa Clara University. And we are so excited today to have Jim Cook and Eric Carlson here with us. Both Jim and Eric are sort of founding fathers of what is now Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship. They both have very rich and and deep experience uh, as well. So Jim is a senior founding fellow of Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship, which was formerly the Center for Science, Technology, and Society. He's an emeritus professor of management and entrepreneurship and the Don C. Dodson Distinguished University Service Professor Emeritus. He was Dean of Santa Clara University's Levy School of Business from 1990 to 96. And in 1997, he led a university-wide initiative focused on the development of a center of excellence to address issues at the nexus of science and technology with society. That's what is now Miller Center. As a director of the Center for Science, Technology, and Society, in 2001, he co-founded with Applied Materials and the Tech Museum Awards. And then in 2003, Jim co-founded the Global Social Benefit Incubator, uh, an accelerator program for social ventures like uh, award recipients of the Tech Museum Awards and the World Bank's Development Marketplace. In 2007, he also served as the acting dean of engineering because, you know, the dean of business wasn't enough <laughs> to also be that <laughs> dean of engineering. Um, and in 2008 to 2009, he developed the center's sector strategies in safe water access with Al Hammond and off-grid energy with Andy Lieberman. In 2022, Miller Center is celebrating its 25th anniversary. Incredible. With Eric Carlson, he is co-author of Building a Successful Social Venture, which is published by Barrett Kohler Publishers in 2018. Now, uh, currently, Jim serves on the Board of Directors for Catholic Charities of Santa Clara County, as well as the Interfaith Housing, Inc. Board in Livermore, California. He's a prior board member on the Commonwealth Club of Silicon Valley, the Bay Area Council of Economic Institute, Essential Software. Prior to moving to Santa Clara University in 1990, the work of his organization, planning and development team at PG&E received the American Council for Training and Development Award for Excellence. Amazing. In organizational development and professional practice. Prior to his 15 years association with SCU, Carlson spent 25 years in research, product development, and executive management in Silicon Valley. During that time, he served as CEO of two two software companies, and while working in Silicon Valley, he also served 10 years on the Los Gatos Town Council, including two terms as mayor. I did not know that, by the way. (laughs) That's news to me. So uh, Carlson has uh, degrees in economics from Carleton College in Minnesota, uh, master's in city and regional planning and a PhD in computer science from the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. So both of you guys are incredible and one of the things that I wanted to mention and I sort of mentioned to Jim at the outset is how incredibly prescient that the two of you were to launch 
the GSBI, the Accelerator Program for Social Benefit Organizations, in 2003, well before, uh, for instance, Y Combinator, two to three years before Y Combinator was launched, and even before such important uh, conferences as SOCAP, which is the Social Capital Conference, was uh, launched in 2007. So, you know, all I can think about is how incredibly ahead of your time uh, that you were at the outset. So one of the questions that I, I wanted to start out with is why did you launch the GSBI and how does the accelerator program that you developed differ from or compare to other social enterprise training programs? Let me comment on that because um, you used the word prescient. Um, I'm not, I'm, you know, a lot of what happened here was a function of being at Santa Clara University at that this time in history. Recall this is just uh, two years after 9-11. Um, and I want to give due credit to two other colleagues, actually three other colleagues in particular, Pat Guerra and Al Bruno, uh, because <clears throat> the uh, initial program, which was in 2003, uh, developed out of work that I was doing with the Global Forum, which was a combination of um, engagement with the World Bank, the mayor of Rome, Italy, a guy named Walter Veltroni, and Uri Severe, who was head of the Perez Peace Center in Israel. And the focus in the, of this effort was on grassroots, bottom-up um, innovation, kind of from city to city, if you will, in conflict zones, uh, across highly polarized cultures and, and uh, deep histories of conflict. Um, so the original program in 2003, I've asked Pat Guerra to develop that, and they did a wonderful job uh, with uh, working largely with, if you, if you will, this is not going to be give due service to either Pat or Al, but he, uh, with notes from Al uh, Bruno's uh, course in entrepreneurship in the MBA program. Uh, and it, this was largely a Silicon Valley mental model focused heavily on business models and market market mechanisms, um, as you would expect. Take, really tapping into the DNA, if you will, of Silicon Valley. So when you say this effort was prescient, in a sense, it was a confluence of a variety of things that were happening in the 2001 to 2003 period. So. Uh, let me just make a couple of other related comments. Uh, to, and the other person I wanted to mention was Cheryl Dale, uh, who was the administrative assistant. And uh, I always kidded Cheryl that she had the aloha spirit. Everybody loved working with Cheryl, and she was incredibly competent as an administrator. She could have been a COO in Silicon Valley or, or at some point in her career, for sure. That may still happen. That's kind of just... Uh, situate this in a time in history, if you will. 2001 was also when the university was celebrating its 150th anniversary, its sesquicentennial, two years before this. Um, 
And uh, we, um, uh, I was asked to um, provide a sesquicentennial conference focused on technology in us, a vision of the future. And to be honest, it wasn't a future that looked very bright. Uh, it was a future that was characterized by increasing divisions, uh, increasing isolation, the largest terrorist attack on the United States in our history, and the growing economic divides. Um, and I think it sparked interest uh, in this whole issue of what was then called the digital divide, if you will. Um, and in 2001 also, just to set a little bit of context, I don't want to talk too much, but the context is important. In uh, 2001, uh, the center co-founded with Applied Materials and the Tech Museum of Innovation, the Tech Museum Awards, which ran for 15 years. It was an internationally recognized program. We reviewed thousands of applicants. Eric was very actively involved in this, as he has been from the beginning. And, editor of the Nexus magazine we put out. Someplace you'll find in your archives, there's six years of at least of publications called the STS Nexus. So anyway, getting the history straight, I think is important and situating this at a point in time in our history as a university, 150th anniversary, the 9-11 event, and um, Santa Clara's effort to develop a, a center of science, technology, and society, which was intended um, Bridget, and I know you're following your work, intended to involve every aspect of the university, every department. Uh, and we had a, a faculty steering committee that was who's who in the faculty. They were, they were the most respected faculty in history and economics and engineering um, and in the, in the law school. And they were very engaged in this effort. So the, there's kind of a confluence of things that need to be situated in history and there are, you know, actors, I think both Eric and I would be the first to admit other than ourselves, who are really a part of this story. And uh, I want to be sure that they're duly recognized. I have to say also, we devoted our book or dedicated our book to Paul Locatelli. None of this would have happened without Father Locatelli's um, vision and his compassion. And so that's the reason Eric and I chose to dedicate our book to, to Paul. Eric, can you talk a little bit about why you got involved and what your passion and vision was for this? The, we were giving these awards out to the folks at, through the Tech Museum, and Jim organized for us to give them a, several programs of different stuff. What was really clear was they all said, it's very nice to get this $25,000 award, but we really need, need to know how to spend it effectively. Otherwise, it'll be gone and we'll just be out looking for money again. So it was a demand of the social entrepreneurs for some sort of program that would teach them about sustainability and scalability of their businesses. What attracted me to the program was the opportunity to put together a lot of work with nonprofits. They'd get money, they'd spend money, and they'd have to get money again. They, could, they couldn't figure out ways to sort of keep it going. That is exciting, and that is, you know, I think one of the motivations for many of us who are in this space to get involved in this because it's um, social entrepreneurship is definitely an approach that doesn't require ongoing subsidy to achieve the impact that we all care about. Okay, so why do you think this accelerator program fits in so well to Santa Clara University? Um, I gave actually some thought to this earlier this morning because I... Uh, you know, these occasions are really a chance for you to sort of 
pause and reflect. And so I actually have two specific reasons I'd like to mention. Um, first, I think, is the emphasis on educating the whole person. That is the unique attribute in a Santa Clara education. Educating the head, the heart, and the hands. GSBI is hands-on. GSBI is about learning by doing, and, um, and it's about empathy. It truly does transform lives. I mean, these kids who've gone overseas and worked in these projects, they will never be the same. Um, so I think it fits so well in terms of educating the whole person. And, um, and so I think, I think that's key. The second thing, and Paula Catelli emphasized this, competence, conscience, and compassion. When I was dean of the business school, I kidded with Paul and I said, Paul, I can do competence and conscience, but I can't do compassion in the business school. I'm not sure most of the people who are involved with the business school inside and outside of the university know what that means. I'm sorry. Uh, I wasn't sure I knew what it meant, but it comes from Latin, which means to suffer with. Um, and I think the GSBI really opened a window for me about what it means to have compassion. And uh, that is in the genes of the Jesuit education. That's, what is it, 480 years old educational approach now. So to put a point on that, I want to reflect on a meeting that I had in Paul's office in 2007. Bill Drayton, uh, uh, who you know, is many say is sort of the founder of the whole field of social entrepreneurship, was on campus. And Bill said to me, I would like to meet Paul Locatelli. Could you arrange that? And uh, Paul has a busy calendar. I said, let me try and call him. And Paul said he would clear his calendar. But he said, I want you to come with Bill when he comes to meet me. And Paul had just been appointed as Secretary of Higher Education for all the Jesuit universities in the world. And what Bill wanted to talk with Paul about was Bill's interest in empathy. As you may know, Bill's belief is if you don't learn empathy by age six, it's really a challenge for, for us to learn about empathy. And Paul wanted to talk to Bill about compassion. So this was an, a conversation teed up around the notion of empathy by Bill and about, wrong with Paul about compassion. And it was fascinating. I think Bill was actually looking for some way to engage Paul as Secretary of Higher Education for all the Jesuit colleges and universities in, his, in a shared mission around empathy. And so um, that conversation I'll always remember it was it was very rich. Paul had not yet assumed the mantle to be secretary, and he was going to be off moving to Rome and so forth. Uh, but I think it was if there was if the word prescient is applies in this case for me and my thinking, this was prescient. I said, ah, this is what compassion is. Oh, it's sort of like empathy. It's sort of like suffering with, you know. I'll never forget that conversation. So that's why, I, why does this fit so well with Santa Clara? That conversation will forever be imprinted in my brain uh, is why it fits so well. Derek, what do you think the future is for this kind of thing, social ventures? 
my gut is that this type of program is the way to success for social entrepreneurs. It, it's bottom up. It's led by people who know what the problem is because they're living it and they have ideas on how to solve it. So I think all programs that can help enable people who are leading these organizations to be more successful, that is the future. That's the way these problems are going to get solved. I'm really convinced that it's, it's unlikely that philanthropy or governments or big corporations will solve these problems. I think it's very likely to help because small corporations will. And that's what's to me is exciting about the GSBI. Is that I think we're very close to being able to, to have solved the problem of alternative energy. That small mini grids that um, are constructed in villages or small communities are much more effective solution to the power of energy than big corporate groups and much cheaper. So I think it's a really good example in alternative energy. I wish there were an equal example in water. Water's harder. But alternative energy, I think, is a solvable problem. And we, we have a lot of good solutions being developed by GSBI organizations, but also by other organizations. That this, and hopefully other problems like this will get solved the same way. I just saw an interview with the uh, Prime Minister of Puerto Rico and they were saying, you know, because of the hurricane, they'd had to go to these mini grids, right? And they're never going to, their goal now is to never go back to a large grid. So I, I think that's good evidence for what you're saying. I think that's exactly right. You know, to, to build on Don and Eric, what you just said, um, think of Paradise, California, burned to the ground by fire, fires, uh, ignited by PG&E power lines. And it's not too difficult to envision a mini grid solution that would be much cheaper than what the current CEO is trying to do, which is to underground all these transmission lines through forests. And it would also, I think, empower and, and, and engage and build the community locally because it'd be part of the solution. Uh, I think that would, in a conversation between Miller Center and the CEO of PG&E about our issue with uh, fires would be an intriguing thing to envision because I agree with Eric. I think you know this this is a viable option and it's distributed, uh, it's lower cost, and it's as Don was saying, it's in in a, with these natural disasters, uh, it's more likely to be a resilient solution. Interesting, and, and you know, in general, this is a solution that has been um, developed in countries in the global south and a technology that has been tested and, per and perfected uh, elsewhere outside of the U.S. Um, so it's kind of an interesting example of something that can be learned, how we can learn from each other. It's not just a one-way stream of learning from uh, so-called north to so-called south. Um, so let, can we talk a little bit about the impact of the accelerator program? So what is what is your... What are your thoughts about that? What do you think the impact has been since 2003? Well, I, I will cite what used to be the webpage for the center. I think these things are always changing, but um, 1,300 ventures, 1,300 ventures, tens of millions of lives impacted. I think it's actually hundreds of millions of lives impacted. Uh, the money raised by ventures that would never have been raised. This was something Eric was alluding to earlier. Uh, but I would also say that there, uh, in addition to social entrepreneurs and those they benefit, the student fellows in the Miller Center 
they will never be the same. Watch out. They're, they're the future leaders and change makers of the world. And finally, I would add the mentors. I mean, the best thing that ever happened to the center was when Eric had a chance to meet Eric way back. I think it was employee number three. And uh, uh, when it comes to operations, I couldn't uh, figure my way out of a wet paper sack. But Eric <laughs> knew operations and knew how to scale and knew how to create systems and processes. So the mentors changed us and Santa Clara changed the mentors. And I could go through a whole list of mentors whose lives have been transformed. I think Eric's life was transformed. Eric is big for Eric, but I could list others who, who I've spoken with in recent times about their experience. And uh, it, it was the thing that gave them a sense of purpose and fulfillment in life that nothing else did. That's certainly true for me. When I was quote unquote retired, was way more useful, productive, valuable than 25 years in Silicon Valley. Even though I enjoyed 25 years in Silicon Valley, and we, I did some good products, but it wasn't anything like the GSBI. And the people I met around the world, many of whom I'm still in touch with, became really good friends. And so when I go, when I travel now, like I, I go to Uganda, I can see people. I go to, so I, it, it transformed me. It's by far the most important part of my life. What do you think uh, the mentors brought to the program? You know, explain to people who, who don't know about uh, Miller Center what, what they offered these young people that are developing social enterprises. I don't know that I get credit for the idea, but I certainly, certainly will take credit for it working. It, the fact, what it does, and what it did for me too, is I I think that being a mentor is the best possible job in the, in the center. It, what it does is it allows you to connect directly to a person and a problem and help them use the material we have in a way that makes their business work better. And it's, it's like having a best friend to talk to about this and to help you learn, because sometimes the concepts are not obvious to the social entrepreneurs. And you need to start explaining to them, okay, the reason we want this is so on and so on. So you develop a, a working relationship that for slash friendship that's hard to describe how valuable it is and how interesting it is because of what these folks are doing. It's you know I have access to experiences that I could never have on my own because of these folks. And it's truly amazing because a lot of the concepts are we would consider them fairly high-level business school kinds of concepts, but many of the people we're talking to don't have a high school education. And yet they figure out how to do a budget, right? They figure out how to do cash flow because it's necessary to be successful. It's, to me, it's so cool to see this um, around the world. It's almost universal that not everybody gets it, but most of them get it. And what, the reason they get it is they have a mentor or mentors, two or three, to really talk through with them. And it also really helped that we had a lot of female mentors, because many of the social entrepreneurs are female. And at least in the cases where I worked, somehow the female mentors were able to explain things better than I could. And that really helped. So I, I think that the mentorship program, especially because it's got a lot of women in it, really is important. Yeah, that's been real uh, intentional on our part. From the start, 
having good mentors, male and female, and to make sure if you're a female entrepreneur, there's at least one female mentor, really, I don't know why, but it really helped. Mm -hmm. It really helped. Well, I know why. <laughs> it's quite well researched that when you have mixed teams uh, uh, along gender lines and other lines, diversity in your in your team, you're going to get a better result uh, kind of every single time, right? Uh, what I love about what you said just now, too, is that you really emphasize so much the benefits to you as a mentor. And that, to me, is really at the crux of the Miller, Miller Center model and with, that you all developed, which is it's not sort of a, this idea of a one-way, unequal power relationship type of deal. It's really much more like everyone is uh, equal in the friendship. Like you said, the best friends that are exchanging, and there's a lot of value that's exchanged in both directions and a lot of respect uh, that's, that's shown there. Um, so I, I, that is very cool, and I have noticed that because sometimes I get questions what is this mentor thing? Isn't that kind of, you know, um, paternalistic or, you know, white savory or whatever? And I'm like, well, no, not the way that it's practiced in our community. Yeah, I'd like to just, if I could, I'd like to add on to what you just said. And that is that uh, one of the criteria we used in selecting mentors was the ability to listen with humility. And I, I, I won't mention the person's name, but that was a husband-wife team that we're mentoring. He wouldn't probably mind because I've chided him about this in public in the past. But the, the wife said of the husband, listen, he neither listens nor does he have humility. So how can he listen with humility? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, won't, I, I won't mention the person, but he would take it in the good good spirit <laughs> but yeah i mean it's a really important point though because i think from the outside people often don't fully understand that um the kind of relationship that we're trying to build between you know the the uh mentors and the and the entrepreneurs and what eric was talking about having those long-term friendships with the entrepreneurs we hear that over and over and over again and you know, last December when we had the last mentor appreciation um, celebration, I think there were like 13 mentors that were celebrating their 10th anniversary, another, I don't know, 20 celebrating their fifth, and many more that had been there a lot longer than 10 years. So it's the kind of thing that people, once they get into it, you know, they, they're very loyal and they're really, they continue to be into it. I don't know, Eric, are you still mentoring? I'm not at the very moment, but I, I stopped being part of the center. I've had five organizations that I've been mentored for. So, and I plan to get back into it this fall, just the summer I had other stuff to do. So sure. I probably will, will rejoin. Great. I, I, particularly, particularly in the alternative energy thing, I think we've made so much progress in alternative energy that I, f I find it very exciting to be involved with that. Yeah. Have you been following the news about Husk Power? Husk Power? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, Husk Power and the, the one in Nepal is called Gom Power. Those two are very successful with almost exactly the same model. Husk Power is amazing because it started in India and now is in Africa. It's amazing they could change countries like that. Well, if you hear um, 
Manoj, the way he talked about it is that they took a whole year to build the lo- the team, the Nigerian team, um, before they started doing anything. So they learned a really important lesson about needing to build build the the local team. So I'm I'm wondering. I mean, I'd like to go back to the future of social entrepreneurship and the future of social entrepreneurship at Santa Clara University. And I'd be curious to hear what either of you think about that. Well, I'm thinking of David Gergen's new book called Hearts on Fire. And um, I think social entrepreneurship is kind of the key to a new model of leadership uh, that is collaborative, that works across institutions, and that fills a void in a world where there's no longer trust in institutions. So I think social entrepreneurship in the future needs to be a vehicle through which we rebuild trust and where we at the same time sort of seed, if you will, the mechanisms for strengthening or rebuilding our institutions. It's evident in the discourse in our own country that this isn't going to happen top down, that rebuilding institutions is going to be a bottom-up process uh, and with a whole new generation of leaders that will come through places like the Miller Center. That's my thought. That's my thinking. I guess I would add is that most problems are not solved from the top down. And that's true. Think of it, problems in Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley didn't start out as five big companies. It started out as hundreds of little companies. And not all of them made it. And I think that the idea of social entrepreneurship is in sync with the idea that it's going to be small companies that come up with solutions. The small companies will become big companies. I mean, that's power is now pretty big. And ground power and Nepal is getting big. And and um, so some will get big, but many will remain small. And I think that is the key to what we're doing at the North Center is teaching enough leaders how to build small companies that, that we have to solving a lot of big problems. You know, to build on Eric, uh, what Eric's saying, I think uh, in terms of the kind of future of the field, uh, I think it's a, the future is really a wellspring of process innovation. You know, how did Husk Power was, uh, manage to go from India to Africa? Uh, how did Drishti manage to scale to hundreds of villages? How did Practice Makes Perfect become a sustainable venture in inner city schools in New York? You know, I think this uh, set of processes, a set of uh, a way of thinking about problem solving and engaging and building teams uh, that's that's evolved out of Miller Center's work. Uh, I see great hope and sort of avenues for development in the future uh, uh, through the quarter century of work that Miller Center's been involved with. So Jim and Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, This is Line of Sight. My name is Don Heider. I'm the Executive Director of the Markless Center for Applied Ethics at Santa Clara University. And I'm Bridget Helms, Executive Director at Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship at Santa Clara University. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you.